Today is Monday, February 5th, 2024, and you're listening to the Ask a Christian Podcast. I'm your host, Nate. All right, today we talk about the two tires, the city under the sea and not under the sea. So the question is asked, we talk about Bible contradictions for a while, and then we get to the the part you hear, because everyone has atrocious microphones, and I don't want to be subjected to that. I'm certainly not going to subject you all to it. So I edit out a significant portion, which is unfortunate, because people can't, I don't know, get good connections. It's like they're like skinning live elephants or animals or, you know, like hammering houses or, you know, like chopping up things with chainsaws. I don't get it, man. Um, I guess people got to work and do other stuff, but man, I it's painful. It hurts me. Anyway, so I cut out all nonsense and only give you guys the good audio part today. Can't always promise that. Anyway, so today, do a better job, Nate. Get it together, man. Um, someone asked the question about the supposed Bible contradiction of, you know, the prophecy in Ezekiel um, and how Tyre will be destroyed and never rebuilt. So we talked about that for a while. Um, anyway, then uh, we talk about evolution for a little bit. Um, ugh, such an old topic. Anyways, but we talk about it. Some good points are made. Some things you maybe have not heard before about it. Anyway, so check out these topics. Um, it's a rather short one today because we have like an hour and a half of awful audio that no one wants to hear. Get that out of here. Anyway, so check out the Ask a Christian uh, store. Grab a t-shirt, support this podcast, share these links. Take care, and we will see you later. Bye. <laughs> um, so do you guys think the Bible is has no contradictions in it? Yes, as we've been talking about for the last hour. <laughs> Okay. Can what you if define I was... what you would call a contradiction? Can well, we're about to find out. So, uh, yes, I'm talking about gas. Yeah, I know. We're about to find out. <laughs> Go ahead, yes. Yeah, like something like a contradiction is like P and not P. Essentially, is kind of what I'm what I'm talking about. Um. So there's uh, there's a prophecy. Do you know about the Ezekiel 26 prophecy of uh, the destruction of Tyre? Yes. And how. It says the city will never be rebuilt, but today we have Tyre. Actually, I'm like one of those internet memes with like the guy with like the bald hair and like some sprout sticking out who's like all freaking out like on his internet keyboard warrior. He's like, actually, that's me right now. So actually, <laughs> this comes up from time to time. The short answer, I mean, you know, take my word, but, you know, based on lots of digging into this with like actual like, um, I, I forget the name, but it's like geographical professors of anthropology morphic stuff I, I forget the title but basically um the answer i learned and concluded with is there are two tires so if you go to where tire is uh you know you know the the rebuilt tire is i think if you go i'm gonna get this wrong it's like 10 to 30 miles like away from the coast you will find the sunken ruins of the biblical tire that is underwater and was never rebuilt score one for jesus just repent right now <laughs> Anyways, so you can you can verify that, or, or you can at least verify what I'm saying, um, whether you believe it or not. Um, you can Google something like the two tires, or tire sunken, or underwater tire never rebuilt Bible. Like that'll bring up um, the idea. Have you heard that? Okay, I haven't. Uh, yeah, no, well, that's a um, that's a fair answer if that's correct. Um, I do. I'm sure you've heard of. Um, Dr. Josh Bowen, who's on here and in different yeah. places, he's a, a PhD, a seriologist. So he's he's very familiar with that. And I guess he oh um, he would just sorry, I guess he would, oh go ahead oh sorry I, I yeah 
he was here. Yeah, so it was it was him. It was in this room. It was him who I think still disputes it. And the person he was talking to, um, yeah, that was the conversation. And it was probably about eight months ago. And I, I think Josh still disputes that for, for some reason. Um, but the person who was talking to him about that, um, that's what they said. So they gave us a lot of stuff. We like looked it up and I'm like, huh, holy crap. Um, anyway, so I forget um, if Josh or why he would still dispute that. But yeah, that happened in this room. I see. So... So you think there's two tires, like, within, like, it couldn't be, um, you think there's, like, two cities named Tyre right next to each other, or do you think that, um, like, well, a new city was built or something, or, or how could you, real quick gas, I read Ezekiel 26, and it doesn't say that it would never be built up, can you share your, share what you had? Yeah, just, um, let me tab, the thing is, when you tab out of this app, it, you can't talk, so I'll, I'll get the reference right here. It says it'll never be rebuilt. If you keep if you keep reading, it's not exactly twenty six one, but it's like through twenty six. You have to read the whole entire. Yeah, thing. I'm reading. Get I'm it. reading all of twenty six right now. I'm on ten. Well, I mean, we rebuild cities all the time. It's past right? ten. Like, it's like on twenty or something. But yeah, just like, you got to get the whole context, Bertie, as they say. All right, well, give yeah, me a I second. Mean, okay, well, while you read. I mean, we rebuild broken stuff all the time. Like, you know, uh, when Jerusalem was sacked in like 70 AD, that's still standing. That was rebuilt. Uh, Rome was rebuilt. Um, which, which, by the way, why were the Gauls like not, uh, you know, why were they destroyed? Why didn't they just take over and occupy a beautiful city? Anyways, that's rebuilt. Uh, York, when York was sacked by the Scots, that's rebuilt. And, you know, it's not New York. It's still called York. Uh, we had to move a continent away to get New York. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't know. Um, the the exact reasoning behind it but i mean it wouldn't surprise me at all if there was like a busted broken tire um you know that's underwater <laughs> and they build another one that's like tire right next to it i mean i guess they called it could have called it new tire or tire two but no one else does that when they rebuild a broken city it sounds like like if i had a city like los angeles and um birdie it's it's two it's 26 14 or whatever it's for the the it, yeah, it's 14 is where he says, I, like, I declare the Lord, you will not be rebuilt again. Um, but it seems like if I, if, like, the Lord made a decree that, like, Los Angeles will never be rebuilt and it was destroyed or something, but then, like, two miles away from Los Angeles, they built another Los Angeles. And you said, oh, this is the second Los Angeles. This isn't the first one. It seems like that would still be, like, a, it's still being rebuilt, right? I mean, if someone wants to say that, that's kind of like the almost like someone talked about the parables earlier. Like, why does Jesus talk in riddles? If that was true, and someone said they discount the entire Bible because, like, technically, if he if God says a city named Tyre will never be rebuilt, um, and the one talking about is geographically underwater, decimated, and is clearly not being rebuilt, but because you go a few miles away, build another brand new city. And call it the same name. Um, I think I just believe God got this one right, um, and maybe give that Christian book another little look. But if someone really wanted to kind of thread that needle, um, I mean, I guess they can do that. I, I wouldn't think that would be really honest um, of them. Like not to me. I don't care if they lie to me or whatever. But I think they would be doing themselves a disservice. I think they. It would be more like hopefully what Michael, the Canadian atheist, is about to come up here and say which is like he would just, uh, you know, let the Christians have this one and be like, okay, fine, 
It's an amazing coincidence. Your Bible said something that currently hasn't happened. So for now, I'll just call it a coincidence because I still don't believe your God stuff. And I'm not going to say it disproves the Bible because I can't make that great of leap. But if the earth ever drains or something like that and the actual geographic destroyed tire is, re is uh, uncovered and they build it back up and they call it tire, um, then I'll say, you know, your Christian Bible lost this one. But until the then, original, the original word is Bana and Bana means to repair. They didn't repair. Yeah, they did. You can Google it. It's like still a city now. They rebuilt it. It's all good. It's still yeah, the underwater. The underwater thing. They didn't repair. Well, it's they still didn't. all the same area. Like if you're talking about Tyre in the Middle East, and it's a place like a mile or tw like even if it's twenty miles away, it's all like Tyre. Like even if like the water came up, it's still that's that's, that's Tyre rebuilding, like, not repairing. <laughs> Are you serious? Yeah. Well, yeah, I'm serious yeah. because well, if well, yeah, if you destroy very... someone's TV. And you build a new TV next to it. That's not the same TV. You, <laughs> yeah, you didn't mean, repair the TV that was broken. Wait, yeah, I mean, so if they destroyed the city and then rebuilt it, that's rebuilding? Repaired. <laughs> Are you serious? You, I don't know how you're not. You, you, to repair a tire or whatever, or rebuild tire, like that actual city, right? You, you would need to go underwater and like rebuild that city. And then it would be called Atlantis, I guess. Atlantis 2, because it's still underwater. <laughs> Um, if you brought your car to like a car shop and they're like, you're like, okay, can you repair my car? And they're like, oh no, we can't repair your car. We're going to rebuild your car. Would that be like a substantive difference? Uh, hang on. Better example. Real life example, because it happens all the time. I get a hole in my tire. I'm like, hey, can you please repair this tire for 15 bucks? Oh my gosh, <laughs> tire. It's called tire. <laughs> Perfect. Can you repair my tire for 15 bucks? I'll be like, no, we can't repair it. It's destroyed beyond ability to repair. Um, we have to just give you a new tire, except the actual name of this one is Michelin, where yours was Firestone. So we are, we are giving you a new tire, but it's not the same tire, and it's not in the same place, because that tire is now in a recycling bin. And the new tire... Right, and so, so what, what fits more is in terms of the context of repair, right? Like when a car is having issues and they can't fix it, it is beyond repair, which means they give you a new one, even if it's the same same model and all that stuff. It is beyond repair, right? You didn't take the same materials and build it up, even if you call it the same type of thing. So you're not rebuilding it. Okay, well, I'm actually, I'll actually, I'll, I'll take your guys' points, but I think what we can both agree is that um, regardless of what we think between the distinctions between these words, um, what the writers meant when they said it, is that the most crucial thing? Do you guys agree with that? Like, regardless of what we think rebuild or repair means, what the authors actually meant when they wrote it is what's actually at issue here, right? What the yeah, authors because... meant is the word that they use, which is bana, which means it would not be repaired. Well, yeah, let's back up all the way and just get the answer, because the answer took like 30 seconds, right? So do you believe in Bible contradictions or a thing, or do you believe your Bible doesn't have any? We're like, no, no contradictions, because, you know, we're Christians and don't read stuff. Um, and then he's like, well, what about the tire? And I'm like, well, have you heard about, you know, the two tires, like, like the thing? How apparently the tire today is not the tire of yesteryear, because that tire is sitting in, like 10 to 30 miles off the coast underwater in a pile of rubble because it was destroyed 
and not rebuilt. Like that's the answer. So from there, and then we'll see what Mike wants to say. But so that that's the answer. That's my answer. Um, and then if you want to say, well, actually, you know, 10 to 30 miles, what, whatever. Um, I don't remember how many miles it's supposed to be, um, but somewhere in that range, I think. So if you go that that far away, build a brand new city and call it the same name, that technically counts because the city is all that matters. Therefore, you stand by the Bible has contradictions. And I'm like, well, the Christian answer is no, there aren't because that tires them to the bottom of the sea. Um, Michael, <laughs> what do you think? I, I think it's uh, I think it's like uh, trying to put a Band-Aid on a broken leg. Uh, by the way, morning, everybody. Um, yeah, gas, gas. I'm much more likely to agree with you. Um, Josh Bowen is a friend and, uh, he's an expert in the ancient Near East, uh, speaks all the languages of that area. And I'm just more like, I just, frankly, I believe him. I, I, I am more likely to believe someone who is an expert in the area, in, in the field. Um, does that mean he's right? No, he still could be wrong. But even if you give that aside, even if Nate, as you said, even if I put on my hat of charitability plus whatever number you want to give it, and I say, fine, it's just a, a coincidence, that doesn't negate the rest of the ridiculous things that book says that are all a billion other reasons why it should not be taken seriously. Okay. okay. Let's just take it one wait, at a time, on. Michael. Wait, wait, hang on. Let me, let, wait, wait, hang on. Uh, well, first of all, nice to see you, Demon Michael. Um, <laughs> but I just wanted to massage a few of those points so the rest of the book is irrelevant right now because we're talking about one supposed contradiction so there's that um and then you know uh, kind of i don't want to say you're appealing to authority but i mean you know kind of appealed to authority um you know dr josh no i you know, gotta stop you there i gotta stop you there nate an appeal to authority fallacy is only fallacious if the person you're referencing is not an expert if i if i was to appeal to lawrence krauss on history that would be an appeal to authority fallacy. But okay, if I appeal okay. to Lawrence Krauss on, on physics, that is not a fallacy because he is an expert. The reason I said that oh, is I because I wanted to... I, I, hang on, hang on. I, I wanted to stop your stopping because the reason I said that is because we've talked to Josh about this because I wanted to know. So when you say things like, you know, he speaks all the languages, um, you know, all this other stuff, and I just don't want people to be misled because straight from the horse's mouth, I'm like, you know, what does that mean? Are you fluent? Can you actually speak it? And the answer is no. You know, so I just don't want people to get the idea, like, you know, that you've got a native son who's grown up there. He's totally fluent. He speaks the language. He knows all this stuff. Um, I believe scholastically, yes, he has the credentials. He has the tools and abilities to look this stuff up. Um, but, I mean, that, that's just a smidgen different than he can rattle off, you know, all this stuff in perfect fluent uh, languages of the time. That's the only point I wanted to make. Dr. Josh is great. You know, he has all the uh, credentials. Um, the other thing, which I might have forgotten now is, oh, no, I didn't forget. I would be like, kind of in your camp, Michael, what it would take for me to be like, the Bible has a contradiction. And probably a lot of the Christians would be like, yep, it's a contradiction, or not a contradiction, or, okay, yeah. Um, is if the earth was drained of water to uncover the ruins of the original tire, and someone, you know, excavated and rebuilt that city, and they're like, hey, here's tire. I'd be like, huh, well, holy crap, the Bible has a contradiction. Um, because that's what the Bible says in my, that's what I believe to the best of my ability, the Bible says. Um, so that's what it would need to happen to make the Bible wrong. Anyways, um, CEO and Bertie both want to say something. 
See you. Um, yeah, so so first, Michael, what you just said, I did not know. There's been so many atheists who have said anytime there's an, an appeal to authority that that's a fallacy, even if a person is an expert in that area. So I'd love to just know more about that because I hear that all the time. And then, Gas, I had a question for you really quick, which was I'm just trying to understand your definition of contradiction. So if I said I went to the store and got an energy drink and a protein shake, and Nate goes, ha ha, I saw you in that grocery store. Not only did you get an energy drink and a protein shake, you also got a donut. Is that for you a contradiction? No. A contradiction would be like, I went to the store and I did not go to the store. Okay, thank you. But so I just I just uh, if I could jump in real quick, just a quick Google search. So it looks like um, and this is yeah, it's a quick Google search. So so take it as you will. It looks like the it looks like like the shore came up and then they built the city like 500 meters away. So, Nate, if you would, if you think that like if like a city gets swamped with water and then they literally just move the city 500 meters away and somehow that's like a brand new city not associated with the other city at all then I guess you could hold that position, but it seems a little strange. So it seems like this argument uh, rises or falls based on proximity to the original geographic location. So let me look into that too. Um, I guess let's see what we find. And if this is the time when you're like, yes, there's totally a contradiction in the Bible. Um, for the Christians, does that do anything to their faith? For the non-Christians, does that do anything to their lack of faith? I don't know. Does it move it one more smidgen? Or would you also be in the same boat as the Christians? Like, hey, if God's real, the Bible can totally be wrong. But as long as it gets the Jesus part right, the Bible's fine. That's not why I say I don't believe in a God. I tell everyone I don't believe in a God because I say I really just don't have a belief in a God. It doesn't matter if donkeys really never talked. Like, the Bible could be full of lies. As long as it has the true thing that I, I actually need, which is this God. I would imagine that would kind of be the sentiment from everyone. But again, um, as much as I've looked at this, and I still think it's 10 to 30 miles, but yeah, sure, let's find out. Can't promise an answer today. Yeah, I'm not, and I, I don't know if it's that important. It just seems like we know the disagreements, like maybe um, maybe I want to, I don't know, the source I looked up, it puts it a little bit closer to the water, and it, it's just built like 500 to 700 meters away. Um, maybe you want to put it farther away and say it's a new city. To me, it seems obvious, like if, if a city gets over, um, gets like invaded, invaded by water, whatever you call it, um, overrun by water, and then they just rebuild the city like a, a little bit farther away, it's still the same city. Um, but I don't know if that disagreement is super important. Um, but the main thing with this is that it would be like a catalyst. So if you, if you believe the Bible is the perfect word of God, but then there's like failed prophecies and contradictions. It seems like it's not actually the perfect word of God or it wouldn't be able to be perfect at all. And so I think it would lead to more complicated things after that. Well, it could, but keep in mind, like, I, I mean, I'm, I'm playing like almost devil's advocate here. Like, I don't think there's any problems with the Bible at all. That's, that's my stance. That's what I actually believe. But even if I did, if that day ever came, then I guess, yeah, let's see what happens. But no, I don't have any problem. Like, I don't see any contradictions or problems with the Bible. Well, wait, you just, I thought you just said something opposite. You just, I thought you just said like, um, even if there are contradictions, it doesn't matter. But now you're saying if there's contradictions, it does matter. So what, what is the point no. there? No, no, I, I just said, um, say what you said. I just said again. 
I thought when I so I thought when we were disputing like the city, you said um, like, oh, let's say we find some contradictions, but as long as they get the Jesus part right, then it doesn't matter. Um, but then I thought you just said the Bible's totally perfect and there are no contradictions. So I'm just wondering which one of those. Maybe I misunderstood, but you could. No, I, I, I took it was like an artificial artificial stance I was taking. So the thing I actually believe is yes, the Bible's perfect. There are no contradictions, right? So like that's my actual position. But when I when I you know, let's just call it an artificial stance. When I said, but even if there was, which, you know, that's the telltale sign, right? Even if there was, meaning I currently don't think there are any, but even if there were, that's what I meant. But no, my current position is no, the Bible's completely fine. There is no problems with the Bible. So do the contradictions, like, let's say it's tough because some of the stuff is a little bit vague where you can i guess you could interpret the language in a certain way to make it not a contradiction but let's say we found some supposed contradiction let's say like tire like yeah it's the same tire or whatever it's like a quote-unquote failed prophecy would that um would that matter to you or do you think that the rest of the bible is so good and jesus life was uh inspired divinely and stuff that that's more the important stuff for you um well, again, like I said, I mean, as long as Jesus points you to the right God, the book is irrelevant. But you act as though you're about to drop some false prophecies or something like that. And I would say, you know, as much as I've looked into all this stuff, there's not one thing I haven't found like a complete reconciliation of in such a way that, you know, trying to be honest with myself, like I'm not trying to deceive myself. What good is that? But, you know, that whenever you really look into it, the explanation is just like, yeah, that makes total perfect sense. There is no problem with this. There is no contradiction. If I started having to really like pull rabbits out of hat to force my points to fit, I would just be like, yeah, I'm not trying to deceive myself here. That's that's stupid. Why do I want to do that? Like I'll take the L and be like, yeah, there's a there's a contradiction. But I haven't had anything that's been such a crazy explanation that I have to weave together to force it to fit that I've even had to have remotely have that conversation with myself. The explanations are just like, you know, after you do like research, you pull up original languages, you look at maps, blah, 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 blah. It's like, oh, this was so simple. It would have been a lot easier if people just would have like read the word of God and believed it. But, you know, trust but verify. The question was asked. So here we are verifying. Turns out, yep, what the Bible said was right all along. And um, so, Gas, I'll give you an example of me kind of like reconciling a possible scenario. So let's say um, the whole earth is created in seven days, right? If we were to find out that, you know, that indeed, you know, was not the case um, in, from even from like a biblical perspective, um, and I don't think it's a literal seven days, I would, I see the Bible as being perfectly inspired, right? So the inspiration there would be, it's simpler to describe seven days than it is to say on day 1,806, this happened, day 2,403, X happened. Yeah, the pro one of the problems with that, CEO, and, and I, I appreciate your, the, the way you're trying to, um, be not necessarily conciliatory, but try to come to a meeting of the minds. I appreciate that. However, creation is much more impossible than that. Um, like creation never happened, right? We 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 know like, bio, well, like evidence, ev evolution. 
is evolution is the foundation of modern biology. Everything having to do with medicine, chemistry, at all. Okay? There was never, never two people. Okay? Individuals don't evolve. Populations evolve. Evolution... Only stiff dealing absolutes. <laughs> okay, well, look at my picture. Um, <laughs> the, the problem is, the, the problem is, is that <laughs> if... We know more about evolution than we know about gravity. Like, we understand that supermassive gravity can bend space-time, like when you approach the event horizon of a black hole, but we don't know how that works. We understand virtually everything about evolution, cladistics, phylogenetics, and the rest of it. And if, and if you think, like, there are people, like there's that charlatan Ken Hovind, like he thinks, oh well, look, polystrate fossils. That just we don't understand evolution. everything. That's it, why it's left as a theory. It doesn't. No, you don't understand the word theory and how it's used in science. I understand. Discourse. You can't. You can't I, prove I it. Have, yeah, but I'm like, saying we don't understand no, everything about evolution. No, science doesn't prove. Science doesn't prove everything. Science Hold doesn't on. prove anything. I'm saying. I'm saying we don't understand everything about evolution. I'm not. I'm. I'm someone who believes in evolution, but I'm saying we don't understand everything about evolution. Michael, there, there's a sim more simplistic thing for me to ask you. So, oh, sure. how do you get something organic from inorganic? That's not evolution. That's abiogenesis. I, I know. I know it's not. I know it's not. But it ultimately connects. So okay. So if you're you asking have me to how solve that issue, no, you completely you say, don't. No, you completely don't. I'm, I'm CEO, sorry, you don't evolution. Have to resolve that? Evolution happens after life. So, so, so the, the process of abiogenesis only happened one time, right? We understand evolution, but we don't understand. We, we know that, that chemistry became biology. We do not yet understand the mechanism of that. That's abiogenesis. But you don't yes, get evolution correct. until you have life. Understood. But the two have some level of dependency on each other, Michael. That's all I'm saying. And you answered the question. You said we don't know how that was achieved. Right. So, so I am an old earth creationist. And what I would say to you is I think that was inspired by God. God's hand was involved in that action. That's how we went from inorganic to organic. Hey, CEO, real quick. Was... Uh, so, so going from inorganic to organic, uh, were there any new elements involved? Were there any new chemistry involved? I would not even begin to know how to answer that. No, no, no. What I mean is, like, was was there some was there like a generation of a new element? Were there new molecules? Like, w was there new? Essentially, was there new material in the transition from inorganic to organic? Well, like carbon or something? Yeah, yeah. Did carbon spontaneously, like, uh, start becoming a thing in the change from inorganic to organic? It may be, like, like there's no way to answer that. Like, you may, like, you may be able to, like, logically deduce something, but to definitively say... There's no way to know that. Just like Michael, you said a minute ago, there was one abiogenesis event. There's no way to know that. There could have been a thousand. There could have been three. Um, there could have been two. Like, there's sure. no way to say there was one and only. 
But, I think the question could also be asked to like, like how does how does God make uh, organic life out of nothing? Well, my question, my, maybe I need to ask the question differently. When we look at inorganic stuffs, and then we look at organic stuffs, are there unique elements, unique atoms involved in organic stuff that is not involved in in uh, inorganic stuff? There are. You, you mean like amino acids? But no, I'm saying atoms. Like, is carbon only in organic stuff? Is uh, nitrogen only in organic stuff? Is there something that is only in organic stuff that is not in inorganic stuff? Yeah, that, those elements exist in other things, right? I mean, they do. Right. So, so all of the elements that compose up that compose organic things also exist outside of organic things, right? Uh, it's been a while since I studied biology to that level, but, uh, from my memory, I say, yes, you, you're going to find a similitude of the same type of things. Like, uh, for example, there's some asteroids and some, uh, meteorites. Uh, yeah, I can't, I can't believe I forgot the difference between the two. Um, uh, but they, they have, they have contain... different types of proteins that are, are necessary for the starting of life. Uh, I wouldn't, so no, I wouldn't say proteins. They're amino acids. So they're amino acids that's used to build up proteins, right? Because proteins, a functional protein can only be built up by, uh, mechanisms within the cell, right? So that's a functional folding protein. So amino acids are like the bricks that make the building. And let's say the protein is the building. So that's how they're built up. Um, so yeah, they, they have the essential amino acids to build proteins. Uh, but you have to remember that uh, proteins are built off the instructions that we find in macromolecules such as RNA and DNA. The, my original point being that there is no specifically unique things like elements to organic things, to organic anything that is not outside of organic things. So why is it so much a stretch to say, admittedly, we don't have the specific verification. I acknowledge that. But why is it such a stretch to say it could not have happened that inorganic stuffs became organic stuffs? Like, wh why is that such a stretch? Well, I think it's fine to say – and let me button up the last conversation quick. But, I mean, it's not a, it's not a stretch. You can say, sure, it could happen. We just don't think it happened, or it could have happened in some other context. So it's not like it's not like the Christian worldview forbids these things from being plausible. It's just like depending on what we're talking about, well, we just don't think that's the case, or we think that's the case in a different context, or whatever. But let, let me button up this other thing real fast. And Dr. Josh, nice to see you. Uh, we were talking about the two tires earlier, and I remember the person long ago. Uh, not to keep talking about it, I just wanted to recap. But we were talking about the person long ago that you were in here who cited. I forget the term. It was like a historical anthropologic person or, or like some professor at some place that was talking about the two tires. I don't remember that one, but I just wanted to real quick talk to Gas because, you know, he looked up something that said it was like the same tire. It was like 500 meters away. Um, <clears throat> so we're just going to like Google each other to death. But basically, I'm finding this thing that says it's like the original tire destroyed in like 332 B.C. by, you know, Alexander the Great. That tire. Um, very first tire. 
um, was about 20 miles away from, you know, this other tire. Um, and, you know, there's been like rebuilding and destructions ever since there. So are we talking about the, the original landmark um, or all the way to building a new one? So there would be that. And, you know, I just I, I just like Google, like, you know, how can I verify this? Um, the tire archaeological project. So I guess if anyone's curious, I no longer care. But it's by uh, University of Chicago, uh, the British Museum. Um, it's BritishMuseum.org collection. Um, it's in Middle East and Ancient Near East, um, Bible lands, and the Lebanese Directorate of General Antiquities. So the original tire is 20 miles away, says apparently these people. Um, anyway, just wanted to button that up. So we are disputing between 500 meters versus 20 miles. Um, Josh, since I, uh, since, uh, you know, I dumped all that on you, um, feel free to respond and then we can get back to what Kevin, um, and, and the other guy we're talking about. That was common. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. I'll be quick since I know you guys were talking about something else. Um, yeah, I mean, generally speaking, the way that this sort of, uh, fleshes out is that it was, it was pretty common, uh, in the first millennium for kings to try to take the island city of Tyre, right? So there were at least four Neo-Assyrian kings that tried to do it. And usually they do it by establishing a blockade, um, always across the land, but sometimes by the, the water as well, if they have the naval capabilities to do it. <clears throat> um, so this seems like what Nebuchadnezzar did is like a land blockade. Um, so there were two cities uh, primarily that, that come into this discussion. One is the island city of Tyre, and then the other is the city of Ushu, which is adjacent to it. Um, and that's the city that has a spring. It's, it's, it's probably fortified in some way to protect the freshwater spring. Uh, but that's where, <clears throat> you know, the um, the island city got a lot of its um, resources from. And we can see that, like, in ancient Near Eastern sources, textual sources. So uh, that city, Ushu, later became known as Polytyrus, so like Old Tyre. Um, and that's the city that was destroyed by Alexander the Great to, you know, make... Uh, his rubble to create his like you know causeway out to the out to the island city um so yeah i mean that's those are if if that answered the question maybe i'm not sure i did um if i could maybe i could sum it up a little bit and try to steal man both positions so it seems like um I, yeah I, I initially presented it kind of how you present it so like the prophecy in the bible says tyre is going to be destroyed and not rebuilt um it seems like Nate says, yeah, there's two tires. So in the verse, they're referencing the one that's underwater now, um, but not the one that was rebuilt. And then it seems like I'm saying like they're pro it seems like they're the same tire. So it seems like it's it's the prophecy has failed. Um, so that's kind of like the two positions. And there was also a slight thing about like rebuild versus repair. And if that wordage actually matters at all, like would the prophecy have failed if they um, repaired the city rather than rebuilt it or, or whatever the specific wording is. So um, I think that was kind of the, the two main points we were discussing. Yeah, I mean, some yeah. of this is, Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Oh, no, go ahead. I just, go ahead. I was just going to say like, you know, a lot of this depends on, um, you know, which, which way you're going to uh, try to argue it. So if you're going to argue that 
Um, it wasn't fulfilled, which is what most like academic evangelicals will do. They'll say that it wasn't fulfilled, but that's because prophecy is inherently contingent. Um, and so, you know, the king of Tyre in some way repented. And that's why, you know, the, the siege didn't, <clears throat> didn't, didn't work. Um, if you're going to argue that it, it was fulfilled and that it was destroyed, that's going to take you a different direction. A lot of times people will say like, well, in verse three, it talks about many nations will come up against Tyre. And so Nebuchadnezzar is the first and, you know, ultimately that finds its culmination in Alexander. Um, <clears throat> there are lots of, you know, uh, textual problems with that. There, there's the, the hurdle that Alexander actually himself didn't destroy it. Right. So, uh, then there's the idea that if it, <clears throat> it sorry, keep coughing there or uh, clearing my throat, uh, that Ushu, you know, on the, on the mainland, that was the one that, you know, was supposed to be destroyed all along. And it was by Alexander. Uh, so like, it just depends, I guess, on which like approach you're going to take to, to defend it. I see. Does it, so it seems like, um, do you think it's a fair play to say, um, there's actually two different tires and the one talked about in the, in the verse is the one that's destroyed now. And there's actually a second one that's rebuilt. And so there's no contradiction there. Do you think that's a, that's a fair interpretation? I think the hurdle that it has to overcome, um, is you'd have to identify like when it was destroyed because like if you just if, if if one just reads through the history of Tyre, um, and like Katzenstein sort of has like the standard work that's always referred to on it, but Alai has written one more recently. Um, you know, like Tyre, Tyre has a nice long life even after Alexander, right? It's it's quickly like reestablishes itself um, because he doesn't destroy it, right? I mean, he takes a bunch of people slaves and he, but he leaves like the, you know, the, the, uh, the ruling family like hid themselves or bar barricaded themselves in the Melkart temple. Um, and so like he spared them and let them keep ruling. So, I mean, like that there's, it, it's, it's the big problem is like, you, you then have to be specific. One would have to be specific, like which, like, what, when is it that we're saying that it was destroyed? And then, yeah. I don't I I think that has a lot of hurdles to overcome I guess I would say fair that's a that's yeah those are some great points and it does sound like like a lot of um kind of like a main theme in like your books and stuff is that it all depends on your interpretive framework when coming at these things so yeah I understand why you kind of got to caveat things with that but yeah that, that's great answers thanks for answering the questions yeah and, of course and, and I think I, that oh, what I was going to say, I, I think that, like, I'm trying to find which iteration, maybe you know this, Josh, uh, which iteration of Tyre um, was at the time of the prophecy, which I guess you're going to have to, you know, just, uh, go go by the Christians, um, you know, timeline of when the prophecy. So, you know, since it's an argument the Christians are continuing, contending with, let's deal with our, um, you know, our timeline on the prophecy. So, um at the time that prophecy was given, do you happen to know what iteration of Tyre was currently existing? How many times had it been sacked before? Had it ever fallen before? Um, at that time is something I'm trying to look up now, but then I thought, hey, I'll just ask you. <laughs> yeah, see, that's the, that's the interesting thing about it is that it really hadn't been taken. Um, now, the, the, you know, the king uh, that was ruling uh, several times 
uh, like Luli, for example, comes to mind. Like he he would leave if a, if a siege took place. Like there were a couple times, uh, at least once that I can think of, that he just he just left, uh, and I think he went out to Carthage. But um, you know the, the the problem with doing that is that you're like now very very far away from the rest of your kingdom, and so you're you're safe and you don't have to deal with being besieged. But um, but the island itself never really got taken until Alexander, which is what made his um, you know, his success, such a big deal. Um, but again, the, the, the oddity, I suppose about that is, um, you know, even somebody like Mike Winger who says, yeah, it's, it's, it's actually about Alexander the Great. He, he has to contend with the problem of it's, it still didn't fall. Like it still didn't get scraped well, clean. Oh yeah. I was uh, just going to say, so sorry. And I'll shut up. I swear. I, but because it, well, really I have more questions read. for you. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. A really good resource for this. There's an evangelical by the name of Chris Udd, K-R-I-S-U-D-D. And he sort of goes through, and it's it's been a little while, I think it might be like 2005 or something, but he goes through um, sort of like all the the ways that apologetics and, and academia and evangelical circles has tried to try to engage with this. And then he has his, his own approach, but it's a really good article. Sorry, go ahead. Well, yeah, just first I would say, and still, like, I, I, I want those three sources I cited earlier, which are not religious at all. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with them, and, you know, trying to get you to remember everything on the spot is, is probably not fair, but I'd be curious. Um, I'm curious to read those myself. But, I mean, it seems like you could either take a, a what I feel is a more correct um, approach, easier, because, you know, Occam's Razor, usually the simple answer is the right one usually. Um, so there's room for error, but I mean, you know, that tire is some 20 miles away from the current tire and it's never been rebuilt. It's underwater. That just seems good done. I, I also understand that if someone, someone wants to contend that, well, Alexander didn't really destroy it. He just, you know, sacked it and took a bunch of his people. So some people think that that could mean since it's never been completely actually decimated, that's a future event event maybe to coincide with like the tribulation, you know, the scary parts of revelation, which I think is kind of a stretch, but I mean, you know, sure, whatever. There's no way to disprove it then if they're saying, well, it's a future event. So that's kind of an easy way to get out of that conundrum. It doesn't make it false. It can totally happen. But I, I personally believe the first one that, um, you know, that counts, but another one, are you familiar with the, uh, I, I guess it was the Phoenician people um, who it was their original city of Tyre. Okay. When did they like? Did they turn into a new? Or are they known by a different people group name now, or did they go extinct? Or what's the? When did they go out of power of Tyre? The Phoenicians, like it's it's just that that whole coastal area, um, and so like the, you know all the specific, uh, but it, but it, like if you're looking for the history of Tyre, you're gonna look at like Phoenician history. So um, would they be like? Lebanese today, or did they like go extinct? Or oh, well, some yeah, settled yeah. on Sardinia, which is an island off off of uh, the the west coast of Italy, and some of them actually settled there. You could tell because you could find uh, stones there that have the early uh, Phoenician alphabet on it. Uh, so they did build uh, temples there and stuff like that. So they, they kind of scattered everywhere. Okay. Cool. Good talk. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, so for myself, I, I would point everyone, I guess, to those, you know, things I Googled rather quickly. Um, 
I don't know if the, the just uh, juxtaposition of that is verifying that it was a you know a different location. Um, because I mean, even if Ale even if Alexander didn't completely destroy it, I'd say covering it with lots of water and turning it into the next Atlantis is a, is a pretty good job. I, I mean, I think would consider that destroyed at that point. Um, so I, I guess you could say God or you know global warming destroyed it. But um, <laughs> anyways, um, yeah, feel free to get back to the uh, whatever discussion you're having. Um, the abiogenesis or evolution stuff. If Kevin or random respond um, to that. I encourage people to read. Uh, these are notes that I had from a while back. I put them in the chat. Well, does anyone have anything else? Otherwise, it's... Uh... Oh, Daniel, I, have you spoke yet, Daniel? Did you have anything to say about anything? Oh, I'm, yeah, thank you for that. I'm, I'm just listening, by the way. Thank you. All right, well, anyone have anything else? And then I guess I will run. Well, Josh, I appreciate it. Every time you, can, uh, every time you talk, now I know the magic word to... Uh, the magic words to get you up here, right? Just talk about the two tires and tire, and you tire or slavery, right? You say either of those, I guess I'll come up. <laughs> oh, <laughs> okay. You're, you're giving away your secrets. Thank you for having so, me. <laughs> Sorry, um, Birdie, I'm just reading the first section, and you said that it would only indicate that you need something more. Only indicate? Like that, that seems like a bit of a. Bit of a stretch there, bud. So, in a so what I was what I was getting at with those with those words are more um, along the lines of if we have a system of things that are complexities built upon complexities, you can only or you can most likely reach those complexities with stored information, right? Um, like for example, when you, when you look at the things in biology. You have DNA to guide the that's stored information. It's guiding it, but then you have to look at what what designed um, the complexities of DNA itself to have those complexities to be able to build upon. Um, and I was saying, so the likelihoods of a complexity, a complex system being built, is unlikely, but to have um, a multitude of complexities built in the same proximity is is very unlikely in the in a in a random um setting which is near impossible is what i was getting at without something external driving the the direction which is something external holding information to provide for those things that are their individual complex systems you can't you can't stack on it without having something to design it like you can't you can't build a human without dna right unless you have another complex thing like for example like you'd have a, a scientist in a lab designing or creating a clone there would something else complex would need to be able to uh, um, assist in that complexity being arised i mean e even if i granted that which yeah there's there's some unlikelihood certainly but, it's not just but, unlikelihoods. It's unlikelihoods for complex systems to arise. It's very unlikely for complex systems to arise in very close proximity with one another. Even in that unlikeliness. Um, Extreme unlikeliness. Sure, if you want to keep on changing the words, we, we can keep doing that. 
Um, the point being, if you're going to claim that there was a designer to that, then we need evidence of that designer. And we so can't use this as it's not, evidence. It's not, it's not, it's not a claim to say that there is a designer. It's design. saying that it's near impossible without a designer. That's all it's saying. Right. So so I, I, it could actually be summed up in three premises, right? So uh, number one, there's no materialistic explanation for complex sequence information that we find in macromolecules such as DNA and RNA, right? Um, the second premise will be complex sequence information, such as a string of characters or any type of string of anything that's complex to make up something is habitually associated with conscious thought, right? So when we observe in science, DNA is a complex uh, of, of, of sequence information. Therefore, DNA uh, is likely to be the product of a, of a conscious mind. Here's something that I have um, that's kind of in, in parallel with what I was writing. Um, the phenomenon is, in, is observed in various fields, including uh, uh, computer science, algorithmic complexities, biology, formulation of uh, complex proteins, and cosmology, formulating celestial bodies. Um, when the number of steps required to create an object increases, the space probability grows exponentially. This means that the likelihood of any specific highly complex outcome occurs by chance alone because becomes increasingly small. Um, and, um, and then reading further, it says, uh, this also suggests that due to the, the vastness of combination spaces and the improbability of the complex objects forming by chance alone, there must be some non non-random force or mechanism at play. This could be the natural processes that uh, bias outcomes towards certain configurations and guiding principles embedded in the laws of physics or even intellectual design, depending on the context in which uh, the perspectives, the context and the perspective of the observer. Um, but when you're, when you're talking about even the complexities of how things operate in our in our natural realm. Um, this isn't this isn't from a Christian source. It's it's from a, um, it's from a um, scientific source talking about the the um, nature of uh, randomness and complexities. Yeah, uh, the I'm not disagreeing with the statistical analysis. I've never once disagreed with basically the statistical analysis of that. Yeah, but I think I think what it is that you're dis disagreeing with is having to identify a uh, intelligent designer or creator. All Birdie is doing is showing that the likeliness of one being required is exponentially high, based upon the models of what we see and everything. Right. So, like, even if you observe DNA and RNA, um, like the, the only thing that's bounding these these uh, these uh, these uh, nucleotides is going to be a sugar ribose or a sugar molecule. So there's nothing in chemistry that actually determines the arrangement. So when we see such complexity such as this, um, uh, we, we, it then brings about the question, okay, what brought about this complex sequence and how did nature know that to use it as a prerequisite to the folding of proteins, right? If, if amino acids naturally formed into proteins, there will, be, there will be no need for oversight of a macromolecule to guide such things. So then how then that means that the system itself has to be self-aware to come up with another system in order to validate things that it requires for life. The, the, the thing can only be determined from something outside. So that's not an argument for saying who the creator is. It's just uh, it makes another requirement that one will be uh, required.
I think I think the word requ- I, I would I would take uh, uh, I, I would I forgot the word uh, I I wouldn't jump to the conclusion of required, but again so statistically, the, the reason why the reason why I was saying very unlikely is because when you're when you're reading different articles about this, um, it's speaking in the sense of it's already unlikely for complex systems to come about in a, in a close proximity. And they say, if you have even more co- um, complex structures built upon other complexities, and then you go as far to the scale in which we have the steps that it takes to make humans, it's near impossible. That's what I'm getting at. That's what they're getting at. And then in the, in the, in the thing that I was um, referencing, um, it was stating that they weren't, they weren't, defaulting to saying um that it is a god that designed it but they're saying in the in the statement they're like this sounds like we would be talking about a designer or a god yes we admit that do we have an um do we have a solidified viewpoint no we're still looking into it right they're left at saying this is something that the the level of improbability is so high they're hesitant to say a designer, but they're not saying it might not be a designer, but they say they might not know what that looks like, that we might, that's something that they're still looking into in the field in which we understand things in the natural world. But just the simple, the simple, go ahead. And I absolutely agree. Like, I'm not saying, again, I'm not disagreeing with the statistical likelihood. It, It is incredibly unlikely. And to, if there were a designer that would explain why these complex things Easily, that would easily explain why these complex things came into being. I, I'm not right. disagreeing. That would be the thing that would hold. That would be the thing that holds the storing of information to allow for complex things to to kind of flourish in a close proximity. Yeah. Yeah, and, and I'm not disagreeing with that. I, I what I'm disagreeing with is the conclusion that it must be so. I never said that. That's just my own bias coming in. But I never, I never said that in my statement that I put in the chat. And I think what I said is that it requires something, uh, not necessarily who. Uh, but, uh, I mean, that's just what it comes down to. Uh, Bertie, I appreciate your information, but uh, that's exactly the type of stuff that I've been reading and looking at. Uh, these systems, uh, they're, they're now starting to make us kind of look at things differently and rewrite a couple of things here because uh, it's just not adding up uh, with what we thought uh, happened. Uh, so, My uh, long-term prediction is that a lot of these people involved are, you know, like espousing atheists or at least agnostics. And at some point to be determined, they will conclude that it absolutely must be a creator. I mean, you know, science, it'll leave a little room to hedge, but it'll say like, you know, with almost near certainty, there must be a designer, but they won't allow themselves to say it's a, a deity or a God or a supernatural thing. They will say it's an advanced superior alien race and we were in experimentation and all hell the overlords. That is my long-term prediction. Yeah, I can see that. There's already a theory about that. Um, I forgot what it's, I think it starts with a P if you guys, if anyone remembers what it's called. Did it start Um, with Star Trek? (laughs) (laughs) No. Um, It's the, um, it's a notion that there was uh, life seeds planted in uh, meteorites that landed on Earth um, that already had systems in place to kind of build us up in that. 
I know um, what you're talking uh, about. It's one of the main five like abiogenesis theories, right? I don't know. I don't remember the name of it. Right. But yeah, it actually like, comes from that movie of Prometheus. Right, because it's um because they're they're finding that the the level of complexities that we have that we're dealing with, it's like it's you have to either accept that there's some form of designer in terms of the likelihoods, right? Either it was a, another race, like an intellectual, like another intellectual race, or it was God, or or I mean, there it's it's not ruling out randomness, but they're just like it's it's near not the case. Um, it. it so probably people who would be atheists would probably lead more towards, like if they're following the the more logical or probable trail, another intellectual race. I mean, yeah, I I, I personally like while I claim to be an agnostic atheist, like I, I don't really think that I'm that far from deism because again, that they're an intelligent designer or some sort of creator or some sort of something like that is distinctly possible i don't think it's likely but it is distinctly possible and i want to uh intellectual honesty requires me to say i i, I may not be that far from that the god of espinoza The issue that I run into is is kind of like uh, w while I get to that point, there isn't sufficient evidence to go any farther. Like there isn't like confirming evidence of anything farther than that. It's just like, well, it doesn't seem likely anything else is the answer or something like that. Right, both conceptually and in and, and in the actual sense. Um, but I mean, I think we disagree where we say it, there's nothing else for evidence after the fact. Um, but that's that's kind of where our our divergences really kind of follow through um, because of our own respective biases. Right. Like I, I, I would I would agree in the sense of like the case for my stance versus your stance doesn't hold as much weight as what was stated here about the the, the complexities of needing a designer. Um, but, but I, I, I still do hold to like, there is evidence in some regard, just because it's not strongest evidence for one side or the other doesn't mean one is, is the actual or not the actual. So I, I think, I think like, if you consider it two camps random, like your, your perspective versus my perspective, both hold relatively equal weight in terms of being the actual case or not being the actual case um, because of their evidences or lack thereof for each perspective beyond what we what you what we both came to agree on for the most part about something external needing to be intervened for likelihoods but and I think you can also get to I mean you, you, from the Christian view you can get to the answer by reverse engineering right like how many things doesn't make it right you'll say there's bias fine whatever concede but I mean, you can reverse engineer lots of stuff. Um, <laughs> look at Iran reverse engineering our drones. Just saying. Uh, great job, guys. Anyway, but um, you know, you can reverse engineer. So you're like, well, I don't have a better reason to continue. So if you're like toying with deism, the idea that there's some metaphysical god or call it supernatural or magic or whatever fits, um, it, it's not really hard to explore the claims of the Bible. Right. So, I mean, if, if 15 miles between two cities of Tyre 
tire are uh, what's what's keeping you. <laughs> Not saying it is. There's probably lots more. But I mean, you know, if if your uh, answer is 15 geographical miles away, um, it wouldn't be it wouldn't be a bad route to explore deism and be like, well, if I think there could be some sort of deistic God, maybe it's the God these Christians keep talking about. And then read the parts where Jesus says, do what he says, right? Like stop debating about the two tires. Um, it's like, you know, humble yourself, pray to him, seek him. Honestly, like exercise a little faith that maybe this is right. Ask him to reveal himself to you, save you, forgive you, give you eternal life. If someone, not, and I'm not just preaching at you, but I mean, you know, anyone that will entertain that notion and follow that route and do what Jesus in the Bible is reported to have actually said to do. Um, if you walk away with a God belief, First of all, not only is how we got here going to be completely irrelevant, you're going to realize you just got the greatest prize in the universe, but it's going to make it a lot easier to be like, oh, okay, well, if this claim was true, like the resurrection of Jesus, and I know that because I got some like God's imparted spiritual awareness by doing what Jesus says, and I am totally 100% convinced that Jesus is real. Therefore, he says he created everything. Like if one, the most major claim in the Bible is true, why wouldn't all the other claims in the Bible be true? So including the claim that he created everything, every matter, every material, and eventually humans. So there's still a whole wide swath of stuff from, you know, not quite heretical theistic evolution to, you know, a lot of evolution can still, the mechanisms can still happen as science posits uh, to some degree. Like the only thing you really need is God independently creating the first things with souls. So, I mean, it's like, it's not like you're, you're pigeonholed into, well, if you get some sort of God belief out of the deistic God, now it's the Christian Jesus of the Bible. Now you have to believe the, the earth was seven literal days old and, you know, everything created was handcrafted by God. Um, I think you should, but you don't have to. So anyways, I don't think that would be a bad road to go down. And I'm not just talking to you, Random, because I'm sure you've did that a million times. You're used to be a Christian or something like that. But go ahead and say a final thought, and then I really do have to run. Random, if you have any. Sure, yeah. Um, while I'm not that far from maybe deism, because I wouldn't see a distinct difference between what I conceive of now and a deistic situation, the, 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 there's a wide gap between uh, that and Christianity. It's just, Christianity to me is fantastically unbelievable. Noted. Oh, is that it? Yeah, yeah, I guess I get it. And that's fine. I mean, you know, Joshua encounters the same thing. And he's like, hey, choose this day who you're going to serve. Right, so even in our well, belief, I mean, like, uh-huh. It's, it's because, like, there's, it's not just a simple couple things to get from the, the deistic let's even say the deistic stuff to Christianity. Like there's just a wildly large number of claims or kind of concepts or ideas that are said to be a thing that there's no significant evidence that they are. Sure. I mean, do you want to throw out like your top three? I don't have time to talk about it, but maybe so people hear what you say and we can pick this up tomorrow or something. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, number one, I mean, you even brought it up the soul. Like there's a lot of necessity in Christianity in the existence of a soul, and there's pretty much no significant evidence for a soul. And then I would say absence of evidence is not evidence of absence, and even science will never say – I mean that's – you would say what science said. There, there's not evidence, right? 
because that's not something they can test for. They don't have a soul monitor. Um, you know, we even make fun of like ghost hunters on TV and stuff when they try to like in invent equipment to like detect spirits. Um, it's like they barely even have an idea, like a conceptualized idea of what they're trying to find. Yet they come up with like, you know, different quote technology um, to detect for certain things. So it's like, you know, I don't believe a ghost in that sense, but even if they were real, it's like, well, if you detect some type of like ghost amometer that measures like the chill of the, the chill of the air or the atmosphere, you are like, Oh, well, it's not cold here or it's colder here. That means, uh, that means there's definitely a ghost here. It's like, no, it just means it's colder there. Like why, why would you think if ghosts exist, like, uh, you know, heat and cold, uh, test whether or not that's where they are. Maybe you're standing under an air vent. Maybe you're standing under a cold patch. I don't know. Um, anyway, so things like that. So, yeah, I mean, there is an element of straight up faith, but that faith becomes reasonable expectation. Again, you know, when you do what Jesus actually says to do and pray directly to him, humble, sincere heart, that type thing, um, because then it's like, like, it doesn't matter if we ever test or find the existence of a soul. Like all this because like it becomes a giant hand wave when you get the one thing that I believe actually does matter. It's like, oh, great. Okay. Um, did a snake really talk? Um, or was it a serpent? Um, sure. Like, I believe that. Like, could it have had a forked tongue or a regular tongue? Uh, don't know. Don't care. Um, anyway, so in some capacity, yes, when the, what the Bible says, I, I believe is true. Um, but if that causes people some problems, um, I think all that becomes a hand wave when you catch the one thing that the, the ultimate claim of the Bible, which is Jesus. But anyways, okay, I really have to go. Everyone, thanks for being here. We will catch you all later. Peace.